We hope you're blessed and encouraged by the following study from Calvary Chapel, Elmani. It's our simple prayer that you would grow stronger and deeper in an intimate and personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Should you have any questions, please feel free to contact us here at Calvary Chapel, Elmani. First Kings chapter 2, as we come to this chapter where David actually dies, and so we're going to uh, kind of eavesdrop into the final words that he offers to his son Sol Solomon. And what he's going to share with him is regarding his walk with God and also Solomon's work for God. And as we go through this, we're going to see uh, then Solomon then follows through in obedience to the words of his father in these areas. And as a result of that, there's this, an establishment of his throne. And it's really important that um, as you endeavor to do uh, any work, but especially when you're doing a new work, that you lay a good foundation, that you do your best to weed out the wickedness and you establish a foundation of righteousness and justice so that God can do a work. And of course, all those things need to be maintained, uh, something that unfortunately didn't happen in the life of Solomon um, and so we learn uh, all these lessons. Um, beginning here in verse 1, it says that the days of David drew near that he should die. And he charged Solomon his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be strong, therefore, and prove yourself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. That the Lord may fulfill his word which he spoke concerning me, saying, If your sons take heed to their way to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, he said, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. David's last words. Um, he says there in verse 2, I go the way of all the earth. You know, Joshua used the same words right before he went into glory. In Joshua twenty three fourteen. I go the way of all the earth. The NLT puts it this way, I'm going where everyone on earth must go someday. And you know, for us, this is a quick side note, and unless we get raptured, this is the way for all of us. There is a day for all of us. Already circled on God's calendar, we have an appointment with death. There's a day, according to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. It's the way of all of us earthlings. And I know sometimes we forget about that. And I don't want to sound morbid or anything, but... You know, it's good to prepare to die because it's really the only way that you'll be able to live. And so we read in the book of Psalms, uh, chapter 89, verse 48, What man can live and not see death? Can he deliver his life from the power of the grave? And it's a rhetorical question, of course. The answer is no. We're all going to die one day. You know, for most of you here, you're Christians. You know the Lord. But maybe there's some here today who don't know the Lord. And, you know, if you were to die today and you might, would you go to heaven? Have you really completely, wholeheartedly surrendered your life to Jesus Christ? Have you put your faith in Him? If you don't have that assurance, I'll tell you what, that's one of the most important things about this evening. 
Uh, it's a special day. It's 7-Eleven. I'll tell you what. <laughs> it's a good day to get saved, you know. <laughs> and so we all are going to die. David here says, I go the way of all the earth. And we know that's a result of the fall in Genesis chapter 3, verse 19. God's word to Adam and Eve and all their descendants was, In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Your body will go down. Your soul will go to be either with the Lord or in hell. And that's why we must make that decision now. We need to take care of things before we die. You know, David did. And then if you want to, you can read in First Chronicles 28 and 29, David's words to Solomon also elaborated on there. But there in First Chronicles, he emphasized more the temple and how, you know, David wanted Solomon to build the temple. You know, and, and it's an interesting thing, you know, uh, to get ready to die. You know, I, I haven't read the book, uh, but it's been recommended to me, a, a book by the name of Bill Bright. Any of you guys remember Bill Bright? Uh, Bill Bright... At the age of 81, in the year 2003, he went home to be with the Lord. Uh, Bill Bright is a man who some say founded the world's largest Christian ministry, parachurch ministry, and that is the Campus Crusade for Christ. And he has a book. It's called The Journey Home. And he talks about facing death. And he talks about facing death square in the face and all the things that we need to do to take care of before we die including the talks that we need to have with our children one-on-one -on -one. you know and and you know I, I want to encourage you guys you know to really pray about these things um, uh, I, I know some of you know uh, uh, Jerry's uh, grandfather Jesse's uh, father Lilia's husband uh, daddy Fidel we call him daddy Fidel he went home to be with the Lord and he was sick he had cancer uh, but I was talking to his son, Al, and the services are this Saturday. Please please keep them in prayer next Saturday, I'm sorry. But, you know, it was cool to know and to realize that, you know, even though he never read the book, before he died, he took all of his children, if I'm not mistaken, maybe 13 uh, children, maybe one didn't make it, but they were all there. And one-on-one, -on -one, not, you know, a whole bunch of people, one-on-one, -on -one, they had the talk before he died. You know, and that's what David's doing here. And he never read the book. And he's like, wow, cool. It's the Holy Spirit telling you things that are necessary. David has that talk with Solomon. And in, in verse 1, notice what he calls it. The days of David drew near that he should die, and he charged Solomon, his son. In the margin of my Bible, it uses the word commanded. The Hebrew word is usually translated to command. And it speaks of issuing orders. And that's what he did as the king. That's what he did as the father. And the first thing he deals with in verses uh, 2 through 4 is the walk of Solomon. The walk that he had with God. You know, he'll later deal with the work that we have for God. But I think it's important to know that before the work, before whatever the work is that you're supposed to do, before any of that ministry, there is the walk that we have with the Lord. You know, and I think it's beautiful that we as believers, we can describe our relationship with God as that, that we get to walk with God, that we get to walk even like God. And so he deals with him in that issue. And I, and I just, I remember 3 John uh, verse 4, I know you guys know this verse. I, I, John says, I have no greater joy 
than to hear that my children walk. They walk in truth. I'll tell you what, your parents, you're about to die. I don't care what you, you know, purchased in your life, what you did in your life. I'll tell you what, when you're there and you're ready to die, you're thinking of, of your family. You're thinking of your children. Why? Because that's got to be the priority. And what are you thinking about their children? I hope they're a doctor. I hope they're a lawyer. I hope they're a judge. I hope they're rich. I hope they're successful. Absolutely not. As Christians, your, your, your hope is that they're walking with the Lord. And so when we're going to cross that bridge one day, and that's going to be the priority, wherever you are in your whole parenting journey, know that now. Know that now. Because that's really our priority. Look what he says there in verse 2. I go the way of all the earth. Be strong, therefore, and prove yourself a man. First, he shares what he needed to be. You know, and he needed to be strong. There's only one way to be strong, and that's in the power of the Holy Spirit, that's in the power of the Lord, because the whole wide world will come against you. And as time progresses, you guys know this, huh? You know this, things are going to get worse. I was telling my kids last night, not only will you live in a, in a, in a post-Christian era, you will live in an anti-Christian era unless there's a revival, which of course we're praying for. You will be as Christians in a hostile environment. We already are there to a certain extent, but nothing compared to what's going to happen if the trends continue the way they are today. And so our kids must be strong in the Lord, not in their own strength. You guys know how it is walking in your own strength, right? You always fail. They need to be strong in the Lord. And I love what he says to Solomon, prove it. Prove that you're a man. Don't you like that? You know, a lot of guys say, oh, I'm, I'm a man. Why? Why are you a man? Is it your gender? I mean, yeah, I'm not talking about that, you know. You know, male, female, I'm talking about a man. A man of God. Prove it. Prove it by the life that you live, right? That's what he's telling him. He tells him, first of all, what he needed to be. And then we see how he was to be strengthened by God, how, how he was to be a man of God. You're like, well, how does it happen? It's very simple. Verse 2, keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, and his testimonies as it is written in the law of Moses. You're like, well, well how, how can I prove myself a man? I mean, you already said that having the big house is really not the issue, and... You know, I, I probably not how much you can bench press. I don't think that's really going to be important. How can I prove myself a, a man? And the answer is just real simple. You, you know the word. And here some people say this is all the divisions of the word. Every word. You know from Genesis to Revelation and you obey God. You're obedient. Not, you know, just knowing the word or going to the Bible study or being involved in ministry or professing to be a Christian or wearing the t-shirt or whatever it is that you do. It's about being obedient to the things that God has called us to, to do. And you know, the way that you do it, man, is that you got to get into the word. 
You got to know the word. Yeah, that's not enough. But you can't live it until you know it. So you got to know it. And you got to saturate yourself in the scriptures. And you got to find out what these things mean. And you got to be very, be very personal with God. What does He want you to do? And of course, you know, this applies to the sisters as well. A, a woman of God. What is it that the Lord is calling you to do? And some things are objective. Uh, they're general. Other things are a little bit more subjective and they're personal. And if you don't know them, then you won't do them and you will be a disobedient disciple. So this is how we prove that, that we're men. By, by being obedient to God's word. That's what he says. This is how we're strong. We know, according to Deuteronomy 17, 14 through 20, that the king was expected to be familiar with the law and the covenant. As a matter of fact, he was to have uh, write his own copy because uh, obeying God's word would give him the wisdom that he needed and the strength and the blessing. And so it's not a mystical thing, you guys. You know, it's real simple. Man, God wants you to pray with, if you're married, pray with your wife. I, I think... It'd be good to read with your wife, to, you know, just a lot of things, uh, your family, you know, um, you name it, just things that the Lord shows you. You know, uh, you know you're watching the way you speak, uh, you're knowing the needs of your family, um, you're knowing the calling on your life, where he wants you in the body, you're not meandering back and forth, but you learn this book right here. In verse uh, 3 again, Keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses. And here's the result, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn. That's one uh, result. The second result is that the Lord may fulfill his word which he spoke concerning me. That's what David says. Where will this walk take them? Well, it'll be, there'll be a reward. There'll be a reward for the practical righteousness in life. And so, you know, a lot of people, um, they, they get confused and they think, well, the Old Testament is a lot different than the New Testament. And the New Testament, well, now I'm a Christian. And so, you know, it's just all, all like um, sloppy uh, grace and that, you know, the Old Testament was more about, you know, kind of like earning, earning the blessings. No, it's the same. It's the same. Matthew 6, verse 33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. There's a New Testament promise that's basically the same thing that we see here that is spoken to Solomon. Solomon if you uh, seek first the kingdom of God, if you are learning the word and living the word, then you know what? God's going to bless you. All these things will be added unto you. It's the same. I mean, salvation's the same too. It's by faith. So you put your faith in Jesus Christ, boom, when you die, you'll go to heaven. But now there's more. You know, you're a baby Christian now, and it's time to grow. It's time to grow. As a matter of fact, Guys, it's time to be a man, a man of God who's obedient. See, and that's what he's telling Solomon 
you know, uh, man, this will be such a blessing. I know you guys know uh, Psalm 1. How many of you know it by heart? Just out of curiosity. Psalm 1, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, right? You guys know that whole verse. And uh, who stands in the path of sinners, who doesn't do that. He doesn't sit in the scene of scornful, right? But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season. And whatever he does shall what? Prosper. Whatever he does shall prosper. Why? Because they're in the word and they're living the word and they're not living according to the counsel and the influence. They are not being conformed into the image of this world. And that's not easy because the world is working hard to make you think like them and talk like them and walk like them and be like them. It is a battle to go against the grain. Remember Joshua chapter 1 and verse 6, be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Now God is talking to Joshua. Be strong. It's kind of the same thing. You know, be of good courage. You have a work to do, Joshua. I'm going to use your life to, uh, you know, help these people gain an inheritance. He says, only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do, there it is again, according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Here it is, do not turn from it to the right or the left, that you may, your same word, prosper wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night. Stop, just for a second there. Meditate in it day and night. Okay, guys, are we doing that? Sisters, are, are you doing that? Are you meditating in the Word day and night? I mean, you know, the Lord tells us exactly how to, to win this battle against the world and the wickedness that wants to destroy you and your family and this ministry. And he just says, you know, this book of the law, and it shall never depart from your mouth. And you're like, what do you mean my mouth? Because you're just talking. You're talking these things. You're repeating these things. You're meditating on them day and night, right? And that's what he says right there. Make sure that you do that and that you meditate on these things day and night that you may, now you have the freedom to observe, to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. You know, sometimes, I, I mean, when we're doing studies and the cool thing is about just teaching through the Bible is you don't get to really like, you know, well, this is what I want to talk about as much. But it, it, it kind of comes back to the same things huh? a lot of times. You know, you guys are probably saying, man, he's saying the same thing. He always says that, you know, but it's because it's God's fault, you know. God says the same thing. He says, this is my word. I love you. It's my love letter given to you to show you how to live your life. Read it, learn it, live it, because I'll bless you. It's just, it's a code of blessing if you do. David tells Solomon, you know, to, to walk this walk, you'll, number one, you'll have prosperity, I'll bless you. And of course, that's not just money. It's just much greater than money, right? It's spiritual riches. It's the things that really satisfy you. You're going to get blessed by that. And then not just prosperity, but also security. Um, in 1 Kings 1, in verse 
chapter 2, verse 4, I'm sorry, that the Lord may fulfill his word which he spoke concerning me, saying, If your sons take heed to their way to walk before me in truth with all their heart, with all their soul, he said, You shall not lack a man in the throne of Israel. It's an amazing promise. It didn't matter what the Assyrians did. It didn't matter what the Egyptians did. It didn't really matter what the Babylonians did. What mattered is what God's people did, Israel, their kings especially. And what we see right here is, is as long as David's sons were, here's the word again, obedient, and followed God with their heart and their soul, then God would establish their kingdom. God would, would be the one to take care of the rest. And that was a promise given to David in 2 Samuel chapter 7. And that's it. You just pass the baton to the next generation. And you tell them the promises of God. And you tell them how God will give them prosperity of life if they walk in his ways. And you tell them how God will give them security of life and whatever it is that they're called to do, the amazing things in the kingdom. You know, they'll, they'll be there. I don't know if a lot of, a lot of you know, Christians are, are really there. I think a lot of times, you know, I know God is gracious, but, you know, we dis disqualify ourselves. You only go as far as you fail. That's kind of that, that saying. And, and I don't know about you, but I've been a Christian now for, I don't know, 20-something years, and I just, I, I just man, I, I just know that there's a fire, there's a gr desire to grow closer to God than I've ever had in my life. And I attribute it to your prayers. Thank you for praying for me. You know, I can't take the credit for that, but I am so excited about the Lord, and I pray that you are too, that you're really super, you know, not a, a superficial zealousness, but a, a real fire. You stir that fire. We were singing it earlier. There's a real fire inside of you. Why? Because you're just, you believe in the power of prayer. You really do know God answers prayer, and you really believe in the, in the, in the power of God, you know, to change you and, and to change, you know, things. And uh, I don't know, man, just knowing him, really knowing him. This is what David is sharing with Solomon. You know, and, and then looking at this, again, we might envy the sons of David because they had such a promise, but we have a similar promise. In Matthew 6, verse 33, you see, they were and we are called to walk before God, walking in his presence, that's what we see right here, walking in his precepts and walking with all their passion. Whatever you do, man, you know, don't do this half-heartedly. Don't, you know, because then you're going to be, you're going to be um, frustrated. You're going to say, well, that's how Christianity is. And you're going to almost be bored. Why? Because a lot of times it's, you're not doing it. You're not really, you know, no, I don't want to sound legalistic or anything, but you're not praying the way you should. You're not. And you're not in the Word. You're not saturating yourself in the Scriptures. Uh, things are wrong or sometimes they're messed up at home. And so you're like, wow, this is all Christianity is? No, it's not all Christianity is. It's a lot more than what you have perceived it to be because of the fact that you're not doing the basics the way that you should, the word and prayer and fellowship, sharing, evangelizing, real basic things. And so it's exciting. It really is. 
And so David, as he's passing the baton to Solomon, he talks to him, first of all, as he's about to die, about his, about his walk, and then, and then secondly, about the work. Look at verse 5, and this is kind of a tough chapter, but look what it says right here. Moreover, you know also what Joab, the son of Zeruiah, did to me, and what he did to the two commanders of the armies of Israel, to Abner, the son of Ner, and Amasa, the son of Jether, whom he killed, and whom he shed the blood of war in peacetime, and put the blood of war in his belt that was around his waist and on his sandals that were on his feet. Therefore, do according to your wisdom, and do not let his gray hair go down to the grave in peace. But show kindness to the sons of Barzillai the Gileadite, and let them be among those who eat at your table, for they came to me when I fled from Absalom, your brother." And see, you have with you Shimei, the son of Gera, a Benjamite from Bahurim, who cursed me with a malicious curse in the day when I went to Mahanaim. But he came down to meet me at the Jordan, and I swore to him by the Lord, saying, I will not put you to death with the sword. Now, therefore, do not hold him guiltless, for you are a wise man, and know what you ought to do to him. But bring his gray hair down to the grave with blood." Now, at first glance, you're like, wait a minute, Matt. You know, this is kind of, David's time to kill people, right? But, but you see, you know, what we find here is before he died, David gives Solomon some good counsel about men who were uh, different things. One of them, they were a threat to the throne. Um, other things were that they were guilty of doing things that would actually bring... Uh, judgment to Israel as a whole unless they were dealt with in a just fashion. Uh, right here, David mentions a few, and we're going to get into this, uh, people that he needs to deal with, and basically some principles that he would need to be a good king. You know, Proverbs chapter 25, verse 5, is really illustrated in this chapter where it says, Take away the wicked from before the king, and his throne will be established in righteousness. You take away the wickedness from before the king, and his throne will be established in righteousness. You know, and it's it's a it's a it's a hard thing for some people to do, but um, you got to deal with the sin. You got to deal with the sin in the church, and you got to deal with the sin sometimes in in leaders. And sometimes leaders they're they're there and they're there. Joab was there. Why was Joab there? He was gifted. He was there because of his giftedness. He conquered Jerusalem. It wasn't because of his fruitfulness. It was because of his giftedness. And eventually that will come back to bite you. If that's all it is, they're gifted. You know, um, Barzillai is going to get blessed. Why? Because of his fruitfulness. He was a kind man. You know, so you always got to know those things. And I want to share this with you guys because who knows, one day you might be pastoring a church or one day you might, you as a leader have other leaders. And if any of them ever get wicked, get rid of them. You have to. If they don't want to repent, you have to get rid of the wickedness. Because thrones and, you know, ministries, they have to be established in righteousness, Right? And so he deals with Joab, and Joab was cunning and ruthless. Basically, when you follow his life, you're like, well, wait a minute, wasn't he loyal to David? Yeah, but when it came to his own position, 
whenever, you know, oh man, he would deal with these guys in ways that were not right. They were actually ways that were contrary to his leader, David. David didn't want to kill uh, these guys, Abner, that he mentions right here, and Amasa. That was not Dave, That was not their leader's command, David. But Joab did it anyways, right? Back in 2 Samuel chapter 3, Joab killed Abner ruthlessly, contrary to the command of his leader. And he did the same thing in 2 Samuel 20 to Amasa, shedding the blood of war. It was supposed to be a time of peace. You know, Joab, here's the thing. He was thoroughly convinced he got away with it. Oh yeah, I rebelled against the leader. I got away with it. He won't do anything to me. Oh yes, he will. One day you will die. And the reason Joab died is because David told Solomon to kill him. Unless we repent, we got to repent. See, Joab, he didn't repent. You know, he was convinced he got away with it. David won't do anything, but Joab was wrong. You see, we don't get away with sin. We won't get away with open-eyed, ruthless rebellion to our leaders. If we don't repent, we might not get judged today. But I promise you, you'll get judged one day. you got to repent. So it's a warning to us. And we're going to see that as we go through our study today. That, you know, sometimes we think we got away with things. And God will still deal with you. You know, like we're going to see later with Shimei. Clean house. Clean your heart. Fear God. Get your heart right before the Lord. He speaks of Joab here. He speaks of the sons of Barzillai in verse 7. And we read about his help for David there in 2 Samuel 17, 27 through 29. Remember when David was fleeing from Absalom? You know, this uh, gentleman, Barzillai, oh, he brought beds and some of the other guys, basins, earthen vessels, wheat, barley, flour, parched grain, beans, lentils, parched seeds, honey and curd, sheep and the cheese. And oh, man, that sounds a lot of cool things. And, uh, and he provided for them. Barzillai provided for them when they were in the wilderness. And then when David returned to Jerusalem, um, you know, to regain the crown, we read in 2 Samuel 19, 31 through 39, that David asked Barzillai to come and live with him at the palace, to eat with him at his table. But Barzillai says, no, I'm too old to move and enjoy this type of life. But here's my son, uh, Kim Ham. Uh, let him cross over with my lord, the king, and do for him what seems good to you. And so that's what David's saying is, is you know, show them kindness, take care of them. Let them eat at the king's table. To eat at the king's table was the equivalent of having a pension. Those are cool, huh? Pensions. <laughs> the beneficiary of receiving a regular royal allowance of food and clothing with a house and land to support him and his family. And so he says, do this to Joab. You know, kill him. <laughs> uh, Barzillai, his sons, take care of them. Uh, you remember, your life, one day it'll pay dividends. And then Shimei, if you remember, cursed David when he fled from Absalom, something we read about in 2 Samuel 16, 5-14. And he called the king a worthless man, a rogue. And Shimei was of the same tribe as Saul, the tribe of Benjamin. And so he accused David falsely of violently taking the throne from Saul. And so when they're there, think about this, there's this old man throwing rocks and kicking dust. And if you're kicking dust in those days, man, I want to bury you, I want you dead. And so one of the mighty men, uh, he tells David, you know, Abishai, can I just kill him right here? David said, no, uh, don't kill him. Um, let's see what the Lord does. 
And again, this guy Shimei thinks he got away with it. And, I, and, I, and I'm not trying to be weird, you know, you guys, because I, I would imagine if you're here on a Thursday night that, you know, maybe you're doing good, but there might be one or two of you, you think you're getting away with it. And, you're, and you don't. You don't get away with it. You've got to repent of your sin. Because if not, one day that sin that God has just been trying to just weed out, it will kill you. You don't get away with it. This guy thought he got away with it. But as we'll see uh, tonight, you know, God gives us time, and we can't waste that time. We can't waste it. Because if you don't get your heart right before it's too late, then you're going to find yourself with the same fate that these guys have. Because Shimei didn't have a change of heart over time, the sentence for his sin was not pardoned. It was just postponed. And so Joab and Shimei were threats to the throne and therefore the kingdom of Israel because of their hearts of mutiny, while the sons of Barzillai were assets to the throne uh, because of their hearts of loyalty. Blessed is a leader who's able to discern the difference. And so David dies in verse 10. It says, David rested with his fathers and he was buried in the city of David. The period that David reigned over Israel was 40 years. Seven years he reigned in Hebron, and in Jerusalem he reigned 30 years. Then Solomon sat on the throne of his father, David, and his kingdom was firmly established. You know, and we don't know for sure. You know, we read in chapter 1 that David was 70, getting old, um, and then Solomon, you know, is, is raised up as king. We're not really clear on, on how much time goes on um, between then and now, but more than likely it wasn't a lot of time. Now here's something to take into consideration. How old was David when he fell with Bathsheba? You guys know? Uh, 50, right? And so now he's 70. How old is Solomon? He, he could be as young as 15, maybe a little older, maybe 20. He's a young man, right? And this is part of the reason that that David is giving him some firm instruction. But I love the way it describes his death there in verse 20, that David rested with his fathers. How beautiful that death for David and all believers is seen here with the light of two words, and that is rest. And really the, the word is reconciliation. There he is with his fathers. Uh, I was talking to Margie and, and her brother Mondo, uh, went home to be with the Lord. And I know some of you here remember um, Margie's mom, Mondo's mom. Remember Josie? She, she, I was her favorite. You guys remember her, Josie? <laughs> I'm just, she, you know, she's beautiful. And I was telling her, you know, like, um, man, Mondo's with Josie now. And then she reminded me, well, not just her mom, but also her dad. And, you know, when we die in the Lord and our loved ones are in the Lord, it's so cool. It's this ministry of, of rest and reconciliation. We're reconciled with God, and we're reconciled with those that have gone on before us. I can't wait to see uh, some of my friends, my mother-in-law, my father-in-law, one day when I go home to be with the Lord. And I'm sure you can think of people as well. You know, and that's what David's life was. But we need to finish the work 
On this side of time, there's that, that, that walk and there's that work, right? Hebrews 4.9 says there remains a rest for the people of God. And in Revelation 14.13, it says, I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, Right, blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors, and then their works follow them. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. And so David dies. And you know, when you read the Psalms, he talks a lot about how this is something he, he wanted so bad. You know, and, and, and I pray that we would, we would also want this as well. Not that we have a, a death wish, you know, I think as healthy Christians, what ends up happening is we want to, to do everything God wants us to do here on earth and, and to finish the work, but, but just, it's, just, it's just overshadowed by the great desire that we have to be home and see Him, our Savior, our God, one day. Paul the Apostle, he said, you know what, I'd rather go and depart. That's better. But if I'm here, I know it's needful. But heaven, don't, don't lose sight of heaven, you guys. Heaven's not just a destination, it's a motivation. David wanted to be home one day, and he finished the race. I'm thinking of what he wrote in Psalm 23. Remember in verse 6, he said, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, but then I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. See, and now, and now he's home. You know, and he was there buried in the city of David, which according to Second Samuel 5, 6, and 7, is the city of Jerusalem. And so he shares with Solomon the things he needs to share. Then Solomon, he gets busy with the principles that his father gives him. Look at verse 13. It says, Now Adonijah, the son of Haggith, came to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon. And so she said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably. Moreover, he said, I have something to say to you. And she said, say it. Then he said, you know that the kingdom was mine, and all Israel had their expectations on me, that I should reign. Now, do you have a sense of a little bitterness there, maybe? You know, or maybe even a little disillusion there. Are you sure they all wanted you? Of course, they all wanted me, right? He says, however, the kingdom has been turned over and has become my brother's, for it was his from the Lord. Now, I wonder if he really meant that. Because if he really meant that, then he should have lived it. Why he shouldn't have done what he does next. He says in verse 16, I ask one petition of you. Don't, don't turn me away. Don't deny me. And she said to him, say it. Then he said, please speak to King Solomon, for he will not refuse you, that he may give me Abishag, the Shunammite, as wife. And so Bathsheba said, very well, I will speak for you to the king. And Bathsheba therefore went to King Solomon to speak to him for Adonijah. And the king rose up to meet her and bowed down to her and sat down on his throne and had a throne set for the king's mother. So she sat at his right hand. Then she said, I, I desire one small petition of you. Do not refuse me. And the king said to her, Ask it, my mother, for I will not refuse you. I mean, he had no idea, right, that she would ask such a thing. And so she said, Let Abishag the Shunammite be given to Adonijah, your brother, as wife. Now, Adonijah, 
if I could just put it this way, was on parole. <laughs> you know, earlier, he had tried to make himself king. Uh, Solomon showed him grace. He let him live. But he said, uh, look, at, look at back in chapter 1. In verse 52, if he proves himself a worthy man, not one hair of him shall fall to the earth. But if wickedness is found in him, he shall die. So it was like, just, you know, be good. <laughs> but what ends up happening is he asks for Abishag, which clearly in this culture, clearly was a, a step in saying at least this, that I'm co-regent with him with Solomon because why um, the Shunammite even though she didn't sleep sexually with David she would be considered part of his harem and in that culture it was a clear request that Adonijah was asking to be king you know but trying to do it in a subtle way the people would see it that way all of Israel would see it that way oh wasn't that David's uh, harem, uh, Shunammite, she belonged to him right before he died. Now they're having this marriage. Probably what was happening was more than likely when you put the pieces of the puzzle together that Adonijah, he just wouldn't leave his heart. I want to be king. I want to be king. And that's the way it is sometimes. It's ugly. And, uh, and more than likely when you put everything together, he was still there talking, whispering, with Abiathar and Joab. Solomon knew it, and so he cleans house. That's what ends up happening. Solomon knew it in verse 22. Solomon answered and said to his mother, Now why do you ask Abishag the Shunammite for Adonijah? Ask for him the kingdom also, for he is my older brother. That's another issue. For him and for Abiathar the priest and for Joab the son of Zeruiah. Then King Solomon swore by the Lord, saying, May God do so to me, and more also, if Adonijah has not spoken this word against his own life. Now therefore, as the Lord lives, who has confirmed me and set me on the throne of David my father, and who has established a house for me, as he promised, Adonijah shall be put to death today. And so King Solomon sent by the hand of Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, and he struck him down, and he died. And so he executes Adonijah. Adonijah had failed the test. And, and, and again, I, I, we don't know how much time went by, but if these types of things are in our heart, you want to know something? You can only hide it for so long. You can only hide it for so long. Eventually, it will rear its ugly head. You've got to weed out the wickedness while well, you can. And so he deals with uh, Adonijah with executing him, and then he exiles Abiathar in verse 26. And to Abiathar the priest, the king said, Go to Anathoth, it was only three miles away, to your own fields, for you are deserving of death. But I will not put you to death at this time, because you carried the ark of the Lord God before my father David, and because you were afflicted every time my father was afflicted. And so Solomon removed Abiathar from being priest to the Lord, that he might fulfill the word of the Lord which he spoke concerning the house of Eli at Shiloh. 
And here we see the exile of Abiathar, banished from Jerusalem, banished from the tabernacle. Undoubtedly because he was a priest and due to his prior loyalty and fellowship with his father, at one time they were loyal, uh, Solomon showed him mercy, sending him to Anathoth, the Levitical city in the tribal territory of Benjamin. This is something that came upon him because of his own doing, and at the same time was in fulfillment of the prophecy pronounced back in 1 Samuel chapter 2, verses 30 through 35, that because of his determined and defiant disobedience, that Eli's lineage would one day be removed from ministry, from the priesthood. And then he goes on, and he continues to clean in verse 28, then news came to Joab for Joab had defected to Adonijah, though he had not defected to Absalom. So Joab fled to the tabernacle of the Lord, and he took hold of the horns of the altar. And King Solomon was told, Joab has fled to the tabernacle of the Lord. There he is by the altar. Then Solomon sent Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, saying, Go, you know, strike him down, kill him anyways. And so Benaiah went to the tabernacle of the Lord and said to him, Thus says the king, Come out. He said, No, I will die here. And Benaiah brought back word to the king, saying, Thus said Joab, and thus he answered me. Then the king said to him, Well, do as he has said, and strike him down, and bury him, that you may take away from me and from the house of my father, this is what I was mentioning with you earlier, the innocent blood which Joab shed. So the Lord will return his blood on his head, because he struck down two men more righteous and better than he, and he killed them, with the sword, Abner, the son of Ner, the commander of the army of Israel, and Amasa, the son of Jether, the commander of the army of Judah, though my father David did not know it. Their blood shall therefore return upon the head of Joab and upon the head of his descendants forever, but upon David and his descendants, upon his house and his throne, there shall be peace forever from the Lord. So Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, went up and struck and killed him, and he was buried in his own house in the wilderness. The king put Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, in his place over the army. And the king put Zadok, the priest, in the place of Abiathar. Now, I, I, we talked a little bit about this a, a few weeks ago, how in those days uh, it became the practice of an individual, when they committed a crime, they would flee to the tabernacle kind of like a city of refuge, and they would hold on to the horns of the altar. And so Adonijah tried it, and uh, we read that last time, um, but here we see Joab does as well. You know, and here's the thing, you guys, and, and I know we're running out of time here, um, but um, sometimes people, right before they're, 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 they're going to die, um, they go to the Lord. You know, sometimes, well, you know, I'm old now or, you know, whatever the case may be. And, and I would say that sometimes, you know, it's, it's genuine, but a lot of times it's not. A lot of times it's not. Don't wait until you're going to die. You know, I would encourage you now to do that. You know, you don't go to the altar just for safety. You got to go to the altar for sanctity. See, and that's where Joab, I think, was wrong. He could have got right with the Lord, but that's all he was interested in. 
Solomon knew that the scriptures didn't provide sanctuary for a guilty man. We read that in Exodus 21, verse 14, that if a man acts with premeditation against his neighbor to kill him by treachery, you shall take him from my altar that he may die. And that's exactly what Solomon did. All these guys, you know, it eventually comes around to get them. In verse 36, it says, Then the king sent and called for Shimei and said to him, Build yourself a house in Jerusalem and dwell there, and do not go out from there anywhere. And now in those days, Jerusalem was a lot smaller uh, than later in Solomon's reign or, or even after. So, you know, it would be kind of like, hey, you got to stay in Almani. You, know, you can't go anywhere. You can't go past Lower Zusa or whatever, you know. So, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, he showed him grace that he's alive, but, you know, this is the parameters. He says, for it shall be on the day that you go out and cross the brick Kidron, know for certain you shall surely die. Your blood shall be on your own head. And Shemiah said to the king, the saying is good, as my lord the king has said, so your servant will do. So Shimei dwelt in Jerusalem many days. Now it happened at the end of three years that two slaves of Shimei ran away to Achish, the son of Maekah, king of Gath. And they, took, they told Shimei, saying, look, your slaves are in Gath. So Shimei rose, saddled his donkey, and went to Achish at Gath to seek his slaves. And Shimei went and brought his slaves from Gath. He disobeyed the king, right? Still wasn't right in his heart, right? So Solomon was told that Shimei had gone from Jerusalem to Gath and had come back. And then the king sent and called for Shimei and said to him, Did I not make you swear by the Lord and warn you, saying, Know for certain that on the day you go out and travel anywhere, you shall surely die? And you said to me, The word I have heard is good. Why then have you not kept the oath of the Lord and the commandment that I gave to you. The king said moreover to Shimei, you know as your heart acknowledges all the wickedness that you did to my father David. Therefore, the Lord will return your wickedness on your own head. But King Solomon shall be blessed and the throne of David shall be established before the Lord forever. And so the king commanded Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, and he went out and struck him down. And he died. Thus, the kingdom was established in the hand of Solomon. You know, just like, you know, David gives Shimei a chance. And, and uh, you know, a lot of time went by. You know, and I don't want to sound like, like you know, what's the word? Um, I don't know what the word is, but... I, I, the truth is, the truth is, this is the way it is, that God warns us, and God gives us time to, to repent. See, if you're a Christian, because a lot of times people will make excuses, well, I just can't, it's just, you know, it's just, you know, I'm, I'm only human. Yeah, but if you're a Christian, who lives in you? God lives in you, Right? And so we don't have to say those things or do those things. We don't have to not pray enough or, you know, whatever it is that God's called us to do. And so he warns us. And, and the, the thing is, is that Christians, you know, just like the, the book of Galatians says, is, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever a man sows that he shall also reap. And so when you're living your life and you're doing good or doing bad, you're planting seeds in the ground. Now, unless you have one of those weird seeds, it takes time, 
right, for the seed to grow up and become whatever it's supposed to come, right? So a lot of times we don't connect the dots, and we don't realize that all these times, uh, while well, I'm still alive, I'm still in ministry, or whatever, you know, it is, but you're, you know, but you're still in sin, you know, you don't realize that sometimes it takes a while, but eventually you're going to reap, you know, what you've sown. And that's kind of what I see here with Joab or, you know, Adonijah or Shimei. Also with Barzillai, not just bad things, good things too, huh? Because Barzillai was blessed because of his fruit, because of his kindness, because of his obedience. And so I really encourage you guys to learn these lessons. You know, the Bible says that these things were written for our own admonition, right? Not just Old Testament stories to be taken lightly, but they are here, you know, for us. We are to take heed. And we are to learn from these lessons lest we fall. So let's pray. Father, we thank you. Just for allowing us to study your word, Lord, and uh, a, lot of, a lot of different things, Lord, so much here. I pray, Lord, that as we go through Kings, that we would learn the lessons, Lord, that you want us to learn. And just help us by the Holy Spirit, Lord, to, to be receptive to even words of correction, uh, words of rebuke, words of uh, awakening, knowing that they're words of love, and their words of warning. Uh, Lord, we just thank you for allowing us to gather together as a church. And I pray for your people, Lord, that you bless them. You empty us of ourself and fill us with your Holy Spirit, Lord. And I, I pray, Lord, if there is anyone here today who's not a Christian, who, who doesn't know you, Lord, that today would be the day that they would turn from their sins and they would trust in Jesus Christ, the one who died for them on that cross, was put in a grave and rose again on the third day, that they would trust in Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior of their life. Lord, we pray that you would do that work of sanctification and salvation as we uh, do what I guess I would call cooperation with you, Lord. We hope you were encouraged by this study. If you have any questions, please call us at Calvary Chapel El Monte at air code 626-454-3414. Remember that Jesus loves you.